Well, good morning. So nice to see each and every one of you. And uh, so glad you joined us this morning. It's been a rough week for a lot of REBC members. Uh, seems like if it could go wrong, it did. So please continue to pray, continue to bless, continue to show mercy. The title this morning's message is The Midpoint. Midpoint. You ever feel like you're halfway there? I know I do it all the time. Really, sometimes when I'm driving down the road, I'm like, I'm halfway there, and then I start looking at the map from even my GPS, and I'll find out I'm only a quarter of the way there, and I'm really so sorry for myself. Yeah. But when you start thinking to yourself, I'm halfway there, you start looking and say, I'm halfway there, you start asking yourself, how far is halfway? Really, what you're saying is, how much further do I have to go? But then you ask yourself, what is halfway? What is halfway? Well, when you ask yourself, what is halfway? You find out that halfway is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. In fact, it's called the midpoint. And that's the title morning's message, the midpoint. The midpoint. So let's define the midpoint quickly. The midpoint is a point that is at or near the center or middle of something, but that is equidistant from both ends of something. That's from Miriam Webster online. That's what a midpoint is. With that thought in mind, that the midpoint is somewhere in the middle, let's Examine our scriptures this morning. Look at me, please, in Mark chapter 12. Let's read verses 28 to 34. I'll give you a few seconds to turn there. Love to hear those pages turn. Love to hear those pages turn. Mark chapter 12. Verses 28 to 34. The Bible tells us Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, Perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus said to him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared question him. Shall we go to the Lord's prayer? Our Father in heaven, we come to now in Jesus' great mighty name. Lord God, we just pray that your word would have its way in our hearts and in our lives. There be anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, would you let this morning be the morning? Or anyone, Lord God, who needs to get their relationship with you right, would you let this morning be the morning? And perhaps, Lord, there's one that's been in doubt, Lord, one that's been in pain. I pray, Father God, that today, you today, we turn to you for healing. Turn to you, Lord God, for reconciliation, and turn to you for the answer. For you are the answer. In fact, you are the way, the truth, and the life. 
trouble the sound. We listen to your word. Speak to us. Be glorified for us in Jesus' name we pray. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Never started your Christian walk now. Everyone has here. In fact, let's look at this in a Christian point of view this morning. Let's take a look at our Christian walks. We met Jesus at various times and various ways in our lives. In fact, I'll share with you how I met Jesus. I met Jesus right here in the sanctuary in the year 1994. I met him somewhere in the middle of the sanctuary, more to the left. And I remember I was sitting by myself in the pews, and I cried and cried and cried during the entire sermon. And somebody slid in the pew next to me and said, Would you like to ask Jesus in your heart right now? And I said, I can wait a few more minutes. I've waited this long. I can wait a few more minutes. And the guy just looked at me with this big, shocked, surprised look on his face. And then, of course, the sermon was over, and they invited us up. That's the invitation that we have at the end of the services. And I asked Jesus in my heart, and my life has never been the same. That was the beginning of my Christian journey. Now, I look forward to the end. And the end time, we already know what the end time is. Either I fall asleep and Jesus takes me home, or he comes back and takes me home. Either way, that's the end of the journey. That means somewhere in the middle where we are right now. We call that the midpoint. We call that the midpoint. However, there was a lot of ways to do this this morning. There's a lot of avenues we can explore looking at the midpoint. But we're going to take a look at a few of them quickly. Now, the first one I want to look at is from the Christian point of view. And I want to remind you that Jesus is speaking and Jesus is teaching in the Scriptures that we just read. And a certain lawyer, a certain doctor, had stood up and asked him, what is the greatest commandment of all in the Bible? Now, if you were asked that question and you didn't know Jesus' answer, what do you think you would say? I don't know about you, but you know some of the ones that have come to my mind when I ask myself that question, what would I have said if I didn't have the luxury of repeating what Jesus already said? Let me tell you right now, Jesus already saying something makes life a lot easier for us. Somebody say amen. That means when we tell Jesus, we're absolutely right. Somebody say amen. How do I know that? Because the Bible is God's Word. It's 100% inspired. It's 100% infallible. And it is 100% inerrant. It is the Word of God. We believe it. We live by it. That settles it. Somebody say amen. We believe in the Bible. That means the Bible is not up for debate. That doesn't mean we don't debate how we interpret it, or we don't debate what it means. What it means, though, is the Bible is God's Word. We hold to that. We are going to hold to that till the end of time. If we ever let down of that, we're going to find the church starting to die. When we take the Bible out of what we're doing, we'll find ourselves in a lot of trouble. How do I know this? Take a look at a lot of churches today. Mainstream churches have let go of the Bible. They've let go of Christianity. They have the hold of tradition. They have the hold of feeling. They have the hold of reason. And they turn themselves into a self-help center instead of a church. We're a church, and as a church, our job is to make Jesus the primary focus of what we do. In fact, when we quit focusing on Jesus, we're in trouble. Amen. There you go. That's exactly what a church does. And that's exactly what a Christian is supposed to be doing. When they begin their journey, they get saved, and they start this walk of faith. And as they're walking through this life of faith, somewhere down the line, they're going to say, Jesus, when are you coming back? And I know I would be preaching to the choir this morning if we had one up here, but I know that every one of us has said that. Somewhere down the line, we have went to Jesus and said, when are you coming back? We may not have done it as a prayer, but we did it as a thought. When are you coming back? In fact, there's an eclipse coming soon. 
Now, I'm not going to say this is of God or not of God. I'll tell you right now, I'm not a prophet, nor am I going to claim to be a prophet. But I am going to tell you, beware of those who get on YouTube and claim to be a prophet. Beware of those phony, baloney charlatans. They can't even sell a used car, let alone God's Word. Amen? Watch out for those jokers. They're out there trying to scare you. They're out there trying to make you afraid. What you need to do is grab a hold of God's Word. Let me tell you a little spiritual truth. You should already know. Halfway through our journey, if God's Word says it, that's all it matters. Right? So we're looking at eclipses, and a lot of people now start looking at where this made a big X over the United States of America. That means God has put us in the crosshairs. Wow, that's not what that means. That means that an X was made over a couple of eclipses a couple of years ago. That's it. That's all it means. Does that mean that God can't use it? No. Will God use it? I don't know. Let me tell you another special truth. I'm not God. Neither are you. Just in case you forgot that. And if you are online this morning and you said, I'm looking for somebody who's going to give me some spiritual prophecy. I've got news for you. In fact, I'm going to tell you something right now. We are not inside of God's house trying to figure out the future. We're all in God's house knowing who the future is, Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. When we hold on to Jesus, nothing else matters. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And nothing else is relevant anymore. When we hold on to that, we've got no problems whatsoever. Doesn't mean the world isn't going to hate us, but they are. Remember, now we're looking at this midpoint as kind of a Christian walk. And somewhere down the line, we start saying to ourselves, when's Jesus coming back? We've all done it. I've done it. We want preachers to stand up and preach it. We want them to stand up and give us timelines. You know why? So we can sit there and say, he's wrong. He's wrong. It's fun, isn't it? This is why he's wrong. This is why I don't believe with him. This is why I don't like it. We want him to do that because it is a lot of fun to debate. It is, however, that debate can oftentimes end up in division. And that's why I'm worrisome of those things. And that's why I don't put up with a lot of that. Now we'll just move topics on to something else. Because when we're debating over what's coming in the future, we're missing out on what's happening right now. And what's happening right now is we're supposed to be on mission, reaching and saving those who are lost. That's what we need to be focusing on right now. That doesn't mean we shouldn't notice what's going to happen. We shouldn't think about what's going to happen. Because we should be. However, when we get completely concerned about the future, then we miss out what's happening right now. Let's get back on topic for just a second. We're talking about this midpoint in the Christian walk. Somewhere down the line, you, like the rest of us, and I know I've done it, have said, Jesus, when are you coming back? And we begin walking in our Christian life, talking like that, and we start saying, we've got to be somewhere in the middle. That means I got saved somewhere down the line, and one of these days, Jesus is coming back to get me. One of these days, he's going to take me home, and one of these days, he's going to wrap to the church or wherever it is that you hold on to. One of these days, I'm going home. When's that going to happen? When is that going to happen? That kind of reflects our modern Christian walk, doesn't it? Is that where you are right now? And you start saying, well, there's got to be something more to Christianity. There's got to be something more. Let me tell you, you're missing out on something this morning. You are missing out. And so now I want to take you, and I want you to remember that if you're that kind of Christian, but I'm going to take you to another thought in that midpoint. Maybe you're one that's sitting in the pew, you're one that's online this morning, and you're saying, Brother Josh, I'm at a midpoint too, but it has nothing to do with my Christian walk. I'm at a midpoint of whether I should or shouldn't believe. I'm at a midpoint whether or not I truly trust God or whether I truly believe God. Oh, I know there's something there. Oh, I know there's a God, but I just don't know if He cares about me. 
And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in our sermon. Please remember Jesus has just addressed this doctor, this lawyer, this professing expert in God's law who's asked Jesus the question, what is the greatest commandment? And I asked you a question a few minutes ago. What would you say if you didn't have the luxury of repeating Jesus? Some of us would say things like, love your neighbor as yourself. In Leviticus 19, 18, that's a great verse. Some of us will say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know it. Some of us would say other verses. For it is my grace you have to say through faith. We could go on and on and on about these wonderful, wonderful verses. But what would you say would be the greatest commandment in the Bible? I know if you're a mom and dad, you'd be saying, honor your mother and father to your children right now, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be. That's right. That's the greatest commandment. Jesus tells us the greatest commandment in the Bible is to hear, O Israel. Listen, O Israel. That's what that word means. Hear. Listen to what God has got to say. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, He is one. And that's where we're starting on our journey this morning. If Jesus responds, to this professing expert in God's law. What's the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is for us to start hearing what God has got to say. I know we're on a journey, and I know we're on a pathway, and we're walking along life's narrow way, if you will, and we oftentimes look up into heaven and say, how much further do we have to go? But we need to realize God's got something for us to do. God's got a path for us to walk on. God's got a plan for us to walk on. And God has a purpose for us to be at. And starting out, we need to realize that as Jesus answered this lawyer, he took a look at him. What did he say to him? He said, you are not far from God. You're not far from God. And so you might be sitting in the pew this morning and saying, Pastor, I don't quite believe. I want to know how far I am from God. Am I at the midpoint? I want you to hear what Jesus had to say. You are not far away from God. You might be thinking right now, I'm a hundred miles from God. Pastor, I'm a million spiritual miles from God. Pastor, God can't look at me. God can't talk to me. God can't ever reach out to me. I want you to know that if Jesus answered the law of your life that you're not far from God, then I wonder what he would say to you. In fact, you're here in church this morning. That means you're not far from God. You're online listening to some preacher yell in the sermon this morning. You are not far from God. There's no one that's too far away from God. That's where we're starting out in our first point this morning. You are not far from God in our midpoint journey. You need to understand. You might ask where you are. You might ask how much further we need to go. But you need to realize you're not far from Him at all. Let's find out what the Bible says about that. Let's look at some more scriptures here. Look at me in Hebrews 7.25. And we want to stick on that point. You're not far from God. You might be feeling like you're far from God. You might feel like there's nothing that anyone can do to get you close to God. And that God would never want you to be close to Him. But I want you to know the Bible says differently. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7.25 that therefore He is also able to say to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. What does that mean in modern day English? That means that there is no one that Jesus won't save. Listen to that writing again. He's able to save to the uttermost. That means there is nobody too far gone. Can I get an amen on that? There is no one too sinful for God. There is no one too ugly for God. No one too dirty for God. No one too far gone from God. In fact, you need to hear what Jesus said to that lawyer. You are not far from God at all. In fact, if you were to be honest with yourself, you start realizing God's always been near you. 
God's always around you. Look with me in Acts 17, 27. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might go for Him and find Him that He's not far from each one of us. God has never been far from you. You might be trying to get far from God, but God has never been far from you. God is willing to go into the gutter of life where you are. Look at me again in Hebrews 7.25. He's able to save to the uttermost. Not only is he able, he's willing to save to the uttermost. That means God, Jesus Christ, is willing to go to the gutter to save you. He's willing to go to the deepest, darkest, lowliest place, the filthiest place in the world and pull you up by your hand and stand you on your feet so you can be with him. In fact, let me quote the Bible again. You are not far from God. You might be saying, Pastor, where am I then in my spiritual walk? Where am I going? Am I at the midpoint? Well, you need to understand you're not far from God at all. Look at the end in Acts 17, 27. We are not far from him. Though he's not far from each one of us. How about Matthew 18, 14? This is Jesus speaking here. And let me tell you about this neat little parable. This is what Jesus says in verse 14 of chapter 18. Even so is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You know, Jesus just finished the parable of the lost sheep. That's what he's talking about. That's the context of this verse. Let me give it to you again. I'm going to paraphrase it from you. Let me give it to you. Jesus said, which one of us, having a hundred sheep, doesn't realize one is missing, that he doesn't leave the ninety-nine and go and search for the one lost, Sheep. And when he finds that lost sheep, he puts that sheep over his shoulders and rejoices and calls his friends and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. This is the conclusion of that parable. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who's in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And you might be saying, Pastor, I'm too far gone from God. I'm too far away from God. I've been in homosexuality. I've been a drunkard. I've been a drug user. I've been angry. I've been a racist. I've been in hatred. I've been in abortion. I've been in witchcraft and adultery. Let me tell you what the Bible says again. He is willing to say to the uttermost, those who come to him through him. To the uttermost. In fact, the Bible says he's not willing in one week little ones you perish. You ever stop to think about that? He left the 99 to come and find you. He left the 99 to call you. He left the 99 to seek you. And you might have said, oh, God doesn't care about me. Oh, God doesn't know me. Oh, God doesn't think anything about me. He left the 99 for you. For you. How far are you from God? Well, let me tell you, brother and sister, you're at the midpoint. You're at the midpoint right now. You've been at the midpoint for years. That's why you're in church this morning. That's why you're listening online. You're at the midpoint on your journey. You might be saying, oh, Pastor, he can't reach me. He doesn't want me. Let me remind you again. He left the 99 for you. The 99 for you. Let me tell you something about God. There's nothing his blood can't fix. There's nothing his son can't do. There is no sin he can't forgive. There is no sinner he can't make right. There is no life he can't turn around. There is nobody he can't make born again. Why? Because he will go to the uttermost to save you. Look with me in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Let me translate that for you in 2024 English. God's timing ain't your timing, buddy. Your timing ain't God's timing. So quit trying to put God on your time scale. That's how it is right now. The eclipse has got to mean something. Well, it could. Chances are, no. Because God's timing isn't our timing. 
And any time we try to tell God we need to work on our time, we're the ones that look foolish. Somebody's going to destroy you. That means amen and a bad church. God doesn't do what we tell him to do. We do what God tells us to do. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. He is long-suffering. He's patient. People have asked, why is Jesus then waiting? What's he waiting for? For you. He's waiting for you. He's right next to you. You're not too far, God. Did you not read the scriptures? He's not far from any of us. Like he said to the lawyer, you are not far from God. But he's long-suffering. He's got great patience for us. Not willing to finish the work with me. Not willing to eat his perish. It is not the will of God. In fact, it's the will of God that all should come to repentance. When you come to Jesus Christ, you're going to find out that He left the 99 for you. You're going to find out that He's never been far from you. You're going to find out that He's always been calling you. You're going to find out that He's been reaching out to you and He's reaching out to you right now. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I'm at the midpoint right now. Can God save me? Will God save me? Am I just too far gone? No, you're not too far gone. You're at the midpoint. You're at the midpoint of your walk. Maybe that first illustration just doesn't quite describe the midpoint, though. Maybe your midpoint looks a little bit different. Maybe it doesn't look like someone says, I want to believe, but just don't believe. Maybe your viewpoint's a little bit different. Maybe your viewpoint's something like this. Look at me in first Kings. Let's look at chapter 18. Let's read just a couple of verses here, 20 and 21. And let me give you the background. This is King Ahab. You don't know King Ahab. He's the guy that married Jezebel. We can already say, what, a, what an idiot, right? Thank God we could read ahead and know. <laughs> they don't always marry for looks, people. They don't always marry for money, people. Marry somebody who loves you. Marry somebody who will treat you for the right reason to marry somebody who's a Christian. You know that's a commandment in the Bible? It is. If you're a Christian, you're commanded to marry a Christian. Somebody go like this. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. There's a contest about to happen here. And Elijah, we were talking a little bit about Elijah in Sunday school this morning. We were talking about John the Baptist. And so if you missed out on that Sunday school lesson, you missed out on a fun one. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of that. Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? The Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And people answer him, not a word. Perhaps your viewpoint, perhaps your midpoint isn't like that. I'm too far gone. God can't reach me. Perhaps your viewpoint is like those people right there on Mount Carmel. You say, Pastor, I just can't be 100% to God. I just can't be 100% to him. Am I talking to you this morning? Am I reading your mail? Perhaps you're that one that says, I know there's a God in heaven, and I know He's willing to save me, and I know He's willing to take me, and I know He loves me, and I know He said He's going to be God Son for me, but I don't quite want to be here. I just can't be 100% to God. That takes us to our second part this morning. How long will you wait between two opinions? How long will you wait? Look at me in Luke 15, 20. And he arose and came to his father. Now we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son here. How long? This guy knew his dad loved him. Are you hearing me this morning? This guy knew his dad had money. His dad had respect. His dad had provision. His dad had 
stature inside of society. But you still said, I don't want to be here. Maybe that's your viewpoint this morning. Maybe that's your midpoint this morning. You said, I just don't want to be with God because the world's a little bit too fun. Perhaps I want to go do things worldly. And I just don't want to be 100% with God. You know what your problem is? Are you ready for this? You know what your problem is? Your problem isn't a faith problem. Your problem is a love problem. Jesus tells us inside of the Gospels, He tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let me tell you something. If you are breaking His commandments on purpose, it's not because you have a faith problem. It's because you've got a love problem. You don't love Him. You understand what happens with the Apostle Peter? At the end, you know, the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus is resurrected. Peter has denied Jesus three times. We have that famous dialogue with Peter and Jesus where Peter pulls aside by Jesus and says, Peter, you know what's funny? He doesn't say, Peter, you sinned. He doesn't say, Peter, you broke my commandments. He says, do you love me? Because that's the problem. If you love me, you would have kept my commandments. But you do, you love him. If you do, then you need to get out of that midpoint and get back on the Christian road. Begin with me in Luke 15, 20. And he arose and came to his father, but he was still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's your midpoint of saying, if I come back, if I go ahead now after knowing the things I know, will he take me back? Have you ever read the top of this thing? Do you know what that's story now? We like to call it the prodigal son because he spends with reckless abandon. That's what the word prodigal means. Reckless Abandoned. He takes the money he inherits from his father, and he tells his father, I wish you were dead. Now, that's words aren't written exactly in the Bible, but what he does is takes his inheritance and liquefies everything. In other words, I only get my inheritance when dad dies, but dad, give me your inheritance. You understand what he's saying? I don't want you in my life. And I'll go and spend, and he does on riotous living. We don't know what all happens. But we do know. Eventually, his family comes and comes out of money. The Bible tells us, in spite of the parable of the father and son, that the boy finally comes back to his senses. You know, that gives us great hope, doesn't it? You got a boy at home right now that ran away from God. You got a daughter at home right now that ran away from God. You know what? There's nothing wrong with praying for a good family. Somebody say that. Lord, send a famine to that boy or that girl to come running back home. My Bible says in the prodigal son that he came to his senses. He came to his senses. And he said, I'm going to go back home. I realize the world may be fun, the world may be adventurous, but the world does not have my best interest at heart. That the world wants to destroy me and everything about me. It wants to take my history, it wants to destroy my future, and it wants to make me irrelevant in the world. Comes home. Look at me in verse 20 again. He arose and came to his father. But he was still a great way off. He was at the midpoint. His dad's going to take me. 
Is dad going to let me come back? Is dad going to let me rejoin the family? Listen to what the Bible says. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. He kissed him. In fact, you read the rest of the story. You're going to find out that the dad makes orders. Bring a robe. Put it on this book. Bring a signet ring. Put it on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Let's put food on the table. Let's have a party. For he who was lost is now found. Are you here in the picture? Oh, Pastor, God's willing to take me back. Let me tell you, yes. Will he take you back? Yes. We often think of this as the parable of the prodigal son. What if it's really a parable of a God who spends recklessly to get you back? I'm willing to put you back in a family. I'm willing to go all the way to the cross. I'm willing to spend it all to get you back. Why? Because I love you. Why? Because you're worth it to me. And I want you back home. Maybe you're at that big point. You say, oh, Pastor, I just keep reading. I just keep reading. What you talked about earlier doesn't quite describe this. I know this thing. I believe and I am a Christian. I just keep reading. Every three months I'll find some way, some reason to leave the church. I think it's hilarious nowadays. I've been pastor for 30 years. It is one of the most fundamental, phenomenal situations in the church today. Three to four months, somebody will get mad if I'm going to another church. You know, it's funny, a new work will begin, and it won't be new converts to go to the church. It'll be other church members going to a new church. That's bad, you know? That is bad. Why? Because we're no longer preaching to the law. We're saying, the more people I have, the more successful my ministry is. Wow. Successful ministries aren't built on how many church members you have. Successful ministries are built on are you seeking to save them all? Are you at that midpoint where you say, Pastor, I just keep leaving? I just don't believe he'll take you back. And I want you to know, the father and son will take your son back. I want you to know, look at me in Luke chapter 15, look at me in verses 1 to 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners are near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke of terrible to them, saying, Listen to me now. What man of you having a hundred sheep? We're already kind of talking about this. He loses one and does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Let me tell you, you are not unforgivable. Let me tell you, you are not unusable. Let me tell you that you need to come back home. You may be at the midpoint saying, I don't think he can take me back, but I want you to know the Bible says he will take you back. He's able to save to the uttermost those that come to him. In fact, have you ever sing that old hymn? Yeah, I bet you have. I know you're staying here at Robinson Avenue with me. I know if you haven't staying here at Robinson Avenue, if you've been to the nursing home with me, you've sang it there. It's called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You ever sing the third verse? If you didn't, then we need to sing it again. I'm not going to sing it for you here and so you say, Amen. That makes me at the midpoint right now. Oh, the grace, how great is that. Daily I constrain the be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to be. A fetter is an iron clasp that goes around your wrist or around your ankles and chains you either to a chain ball or to the wall. That's what a fetter is. Bind my wandering heart to thee. 
It's prone to wander, Lord. And I feel it. Like that one sheep who keeps leaving. Like that prodigal son who found a reason to keep going. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, so you see it. Feel it. I'm like for the God. You know how long ago that song was written? It wasn't written in 2020. I promise you that. You know how long ago it was written? Let me tell you like this. It was well over 100 years ago. Well over 100 years ago, somebody was thinking the same way you think. I keep leaving, but will God take me back? And he wrote that song when he found the answer. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy corpse of love. Okay. In fact, Lord God, I don't ever want to leave again. Chain it to Jesus. Chain it to heaven. Chain it to the Holy Ghost. Chain it so it will never be again. You at that midpoint? Perhaps you feel it's a little bit different than those two viewpoints. Perhaps you know that you are not too far gone for God. You want to know that? You say, I know that. That's why I'm in church today. Perhaps. You know that you can repent and come back home. You say, I, I know that. I know that. I come home and He will always forgive me. You're not talking to me at all, Pastor. Maybe you just feel kind of stuck in the middle. So look with me in Second Samuel 18, verse 5. And you feel just a little bit stuck in the middle. You already know. You already know. That Jesus can say to the uttermost. It doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter what your history was. He can save you. He can forgive you. He can wash you, make you whole, make you clean. And perhaps say, Pastor, I left and 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 I left the church and I left and I left and I left and I'll leave again. Will He take me back? And you know now from the scriptures, He will always come looking for that one lost sheep. He will always take that son that lost because His love endures forever. Perhaps when you say, Pastor, I know this thing. I'm just kind of stuck in the middle somewhere else. I'm at a midpoint somewhere else. Maybe just from the side of Jesus' name. Look at me in 2 Samuel 18, verse 9. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. I love that word. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of the great pyramid tree, and his head caught the pyramid. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth. <laughs> and the mule which was under him went off. Did you get, did you get the picture? Absalom, now, just to give you the background, Absalom was King David's son. Like, Absalom was an interesting individual. He's a picture of David's failure. Now, he's about to get mad at me, so you can't say, well, yes, I can. David had some serious fatherhood problems. He most certainly did. Here's the deal, though, just to give you a quick picture here. David has another son, and his other son rapes his daughter. And David doesn't do anything about it. He just bites his tongue, turns his head, says, Well, because I'm a good godly man, I should not do anything. Let me tell you what, Father, if your son is at home doing something ungodly, you better address it, and you better address it right now. Let me tell you something, Mom. If your children are at home doing something ungodly, address it right now. Don't put it off. David did. Nothing happened. That girl that got raped happened to be the full sister of Absalom. That's 
on, the more he thought about it, the angrier he got. So he planned a time and a celebration to get that boy together with him and his the rest of them. You know, they were half-brothers. To get the whole family together. And when he did, he stuck a knife in his brother. He said, you can't, you can't treat my sister like that. Still with his brother. And David finally says, I guess I need to do something. So Absalom, you're not allowed back in the palace. What? You know, you're grounded. What? You know, <laughs> let me have a little fun for just a minute. I love to get on social media. I have a lot of fun. I like to promote the church. I love something here lately that makes me laugh called memes. If you don't know what memes are, I can't help you. You're lost. Memes are fun, though. If somebody put out a paddle. And that paddle has a big American flag on it. And that paddle says, Make Kids Great Again. <laughs> Woo! Somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line, we thought that parenthood could leave discipline. We thought that it could no longer be. Let me tell you something. When you quit disciplining your kids, you quit fulfilling the Word of God. The Bible tells us to discipline our children. Just spare the child, spare the rod to pull the child. And there's plenty of other ones that go along with it. And we've forgotten that. We say, oh, you can't spank my kids. Let me tell you, I spank my kids to this day. My 25-year-old, well, no, he ain't going to do that around dad. You might get yourself slapped. Well, he did. My mom was 72 years old before she died. And there were still things I wouldn't do around her. Praise God. True. No. Because she taught me that. David ignored me. He lost his son. His daughter was raised over him. Well, you know what happens to Absalom? After some years, he's able to get his way kind of back into the family good graces. Kind of. Just a little bit. If he does so, he develops a coup, a plan. to destroy the father he does. He doesn't let a fellow for good spirit. That's what he did. He's taken over the kingdom quickly. The next thing you know, he's got the army under his control. The next thing you know, he's got, he's got the people under control. And David has to yeah, someone's like, the Bible's boring. I don't know what they're reading, but you can't read the Bible if you think it's boring. This is all in the Bible. It's great, man. Action packed. I love it. People ask me, why are you always reading your Bible? Hello, it's great. Absalom takes over Jerusalem. David has to flee Jerusalem, and he dies. Of course, it comes to a head sooner or later, and David sees in soldiers. Outsmart, outfox, outmaneuver, and outplank. Absalom unseasoned troops. And God puts a, a spy in the middle and all kinds of things happen. Anyways, make a long story short, though, Absalom, in verse 9 here, Second Samuel chapter 18, flees. And he flees on a mule. Mule was a status quo of being something rich in those days. I know nowadays, we don't want a mule for our cars. We want a BMW. Amen? However, the mule was a, a status quo the day, so Absalom runs away on the mule. And he runs under a tree, gets caught in the tree branch. Now I want you to see the picture. I grew up thinking he gets caught by his hair with the tree. That's not exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says, look with me again. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great pyramid tree, and his head caught in the pyramid. So his left hanging between heaven and earth. I like to think now that he caught the fork of his tree. Right under his jawbone. He's hanging there with his feet hanging off. Let me tell you, sometimes you should duck. Somebody said he And here goes Absalom. That's another rest of the story. 
David's general, Joab's going to catch up with him, get him to death. They're going to bring the news to David. And David's going to cry and cry and cry. My son, my son, my son. And Absalom, I mean, uh, Joab's going to say, hey, you better stand up and say something good about your soldiers winning your kingdom back. But that's not the point I'm talking about this morning. We're talking about that new point. You feel a little bit different. You have to say, I feel like that person who can God forgive me, can God accept me. I, I know you can. I don't feel like that one that God has forgiven. I just keep leaving and walking and wandering away. Well, God take me back. I know you'll take me back. I feel more like Absalom. Absalom stuck. They didn't begin with me. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth. And that's where you are right now. And you feel like you've been hanging between heaven and earth for years. For years you feel like you just can't quite get a good foothold on the earth and you can't quite get a good handhold on the tree. So Pastor, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now you're describing what I'm going through. You're at the midpoint. Halfway between heaven and earth. That's long between the tree and the world. Let me say that again. Absalom was suspended between the tree and the world. And perhaps that describes you best this morning. You are halfway between the tree and the earth. Now I want you to look over here to my left and tell me about the tree that's sitting there. Are you somewhere between the cross? and the earth, and you've been there for years, and you say, oh, I know God loves me. Oh, I know God will forgive me. Oh, I know God will accept me. But I love this world way too much to go all the way to the cross. But I love God just enough to keep me from being on the earth. Literally, you have to live in the cross and the world. You're just like an astronaut. And you want to know all about God. You want to keep your feet on the ground. It takes us to our third point. Called between heaven and earth. Is that where you are right now? Is that your midpoint somewhere between heaven and earth? Where you're not fully in heaven. You don't have that relationship with God. You don't know Him and the power of His resurrection. All you know is about Him. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Listen to me now quickly. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who eats of me will never hunger again. You haven't eaten of that bread yet. You've held it in your hands. You've smelled it. You've rolled it around. You've passed it on to other people. You say, that looks wonderful. And one of these days, I may eat of that bread. But not today. Because you're still hungry for me. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. He who drinks of me will never thirst again. You might say, well, Pastor, I'm thirsty for things of the world. You know what? You haven't drank of Jesus yet. Because people tell me that all the time. I drank of Jesus, but I still thirst and hunger for things of the world. No, you don't. Jesus doesn't lie. He said, if you eat of him, you'll never hunger again. If you drink of him, you'll never thirst again. If you are hungry and thirsty for the things of the world, you have not tasted of him. Not at all. And that's describing you right now. You're somewhere between heaven and the earth. You say, how do I get out of this? I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Let me tell you what that is. That's called head knowledge and heart knowledge. Head knowledge and heart knowledge. You're stuck between the tree and the world. You're stuck between the cross and the world. 
You want to stand in the middle, but you can't stand in the middle. You can't. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, 105, that thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. See, Christians were never meant to walk on this world. We were always meant to walk in the air. We were always meant to walk with God Almighty. We were always meant to walk on His Word. Anytime we got off of God's Word, that's when we got ourselves into trouble. Anytime we stepped off of His path, we found ourselves in darkness and alone. But really, all we ever had to do was stay on His Word because it's a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. And if you right now will turn to His Word, let me tell you what His Word says. The Word tells us in Romans 10, verse 17, that the Word of God comes by hearing, comes by faith, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And I want you to know, when you start believing the Bible, it is the Word of God, and you start believing it, God sent His Word for you, that is a lamp to your feet, a light to your feet. You will no longer be stuck in the middle. You'll be walking on His Word. If you're going to walk with God, you've got to get out of the world. You've got to get out of it, so you can't do both of them. You can't be holding on to the cross and trying to keep your feet in the world. Look at me in James 4, verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, says James. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I will say that to Bible. Oh, Pastor, I'm stuck somewhere in the middle. You better make a decision right now because if you are a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Look at him with John 23. He said to him, Dean Jesus, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to follow him? Then the Bible tells us in verse 43 of Luke chapter 9 what we need to do. Are you stuck in the middle somewhere? Say, oh, Pastor, I don't want to let go of God, but I don't want to leave the world either. I'm dangling in the middle. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after him, let him deny himself. Take up the cross David and follow after me. Look at that. Let's break that down quickly now. Do you want to follow Jesus? Listen to verse 23 again. If anyone desires to come after me, First thing you need to do is have a desire to be with Jesus. You don't want to be with Jesus, you ain't going to be there. Did you know that? You have to want to be with Him. You've got to want to know Him. You've got to want to talk to Him. You've got to want to have a relationship with Him. You've got to believe that He is the Son of God. Anyone desires to come at Him, let Him deny Himself. What does He deny? Himself. You deny what the world offers you. You deny what the world says will bring you pleasure. Instead, you pick up your cross. Not Jesus' cross. Not the church's cross. Not my cross. You pick up your cross. I don't know what your cross is. You know what your cross is. And let me tell you, Jesus has already told you what your cross is. It's not your health problems. It's not your money problems. It's not your family problems. You've got a cross that you've got to pick up and carry. What is your cross, you already know where he's sending you and to the people he's sending you to. You know whether they're at HEB or 7-Eleven, at Walmart, or anywhere else. You know who they are, who you need to bring the cross to. But you've got to pick up your cross and deny yourself. And our Bible says, follow him. Not follow me, follow him. Not follow the church, follow him. Not follow somebody on TV, follow him. Little pastor, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle. And I want to walk with him. Did you go back to Psalm 119? Thy word is the lamp of my feet. 
you've got to do is come on down. Just get down on his way. You say, oh, Pastor, it's a light under my feet. It's a lamp under my path. Yes, it is. It'll take you where you need to be. Pastor says, Brother Josh, this morning you read my mail. You preached a sermon to me. I hope so. That was my goal, my intent. And I said, Pastor, I, I want to know, will God take me back? Yes, he will. Pastor, will God let me return? Yes, he will. Pastor, can I come with the Spirit of God today? Yes, he can. We're going to close in a word of prayer. If he has spoken to me this morning, I want to ask you to humble yourself. I want to ask you to give your heart to Jesus this morning. Would you right now maybe have to say in your heart, Lord, take my heart. It's prone to wander. Chain it to heaven. Chain it to Jesus. For I never need to be. You have to say, Pastor, I'm the one who chased you. Would you right now let all heaven and angels rejoice? I'm coming home. You have to say, Father, I ran away and I ran away and I ran away, but I'm coming home. Would you be willing to run out and greet me? Yes, he is. Would you be willing to come home? Let's pray together. If he has spoken to you, I'm going to ask you to humble yourself and come. Present yourself to Jesus this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' holy and righteous name. I want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. I ask you to take charge. Even now, if there is anyone who needs to come to know your person, Lord Savior, or anyone who needs a relationship right with you this morning, or anyone, Lord God, who needs to get any situation corrected, you do it now be the time. So let's say you the day. Perhaps, Lord, they need to join this church. Whatever it may be, would you let them come? For in Jesus' name we come. Amen. You come as we sing softly and tenderly this morning. Please watch. Would you come?
Joyce and Love Sandy Events Church. Don't forget, today at 4.30, Katana practice over in the choir room. Don't forget, evening worship at 6 p.m. I also have two other things that need to bring to your attention. We have two young people in our church who are not that young anymore. One of them turned 17 and one turned 16. One turned 17 on Friday. And let's just turn around and give Miss Ruby a, a hand there. Say, happy, happy birthday, Miss Ruby. <laughs> 17 years old. My goodness. We also have another young man who turned 16 today. And he's standing next to Ruby. His name is Jude. Take a look at him right there. Happy, happy birthday, Jude. Thank you all for that. All right. Whew. Don't forget, we have all kinds of upcoming events and all kinds of things you need to get plugged in to be a part of here at North Carolina Baptist Church. I want to encourage you be it online, be a part of our uh, upcoming uh, singles activities, upcoming yard sale activities, all kinds of things that are happening. So you can find out more about those on, online, you can find out more about those in our bulletin, and so I want to encourage you to do that as well. Let's close in that word of prayer, and I will see you guys this evening. Brother Tad, would you close with some prayer today, Pastor?